RadioInfluence.com. Welcome to another edition of The Rock Stops here. So happy, man, that you are with me and staying with me. I appreciate that. Subscribe and tell your friends and let's try to build this thing. Uh, I'm immersed in NFL coverage. I'm studying the NFL more this year than ever before. Immersed. I am covering the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers on a daily basis. I have another podcast, and that's strictly on the NFL and the Bucks. It's called Bucks Kickoff. It drops on JoeBucksFan.com and wherever you get your podcast 24 hours before kickoff. Now, the Buccaneers opened up against the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. It's preseason football. Everybody played this past week. Uh, but you know what? I'm keeping that one more to the ex, more in depth and what I'm seeing at camp and this and that. So that's Bucks kickoff. This one is a little bit different. It could be anybody in the sports world. I am going to start branching off into the entertainment world as well. Uh, bigger, big names. And we have a lot of fun. And really, it's how did you make it? What did you have to do? And what I'm finding out, I I already thought that I knew this, but what I'm finding out by doing this podcast is anybody that I am interviewing, whether they played at the NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, uh, pro wrestling, boxing, world champions, sportscasters, uh, anyone, They've had struggle. Just it's it's no like life is there's no nobody had it easy. There there are some people that might have had it easier, but they put on their pants the same way. They've got problems with their family. Uh, I'm not all, but I'm just saying health issues with family members, maybe with themselves. Uh, they've been rejected a lot more times than you know. Like when you pl- apply for a job and you get turned down or you don't even get a call back and you're like, what the F, man? What what the, ah, man, you know, so did all these ones that have made it. That's what I'm finding out. Seriously, you know, and I just did another one today, which will play next week. And it really blew me away. Um, but I don't want to give anything away. All right. And, and so what I'm going to do is I got a great story after I bring on my guest. Fantastic story. It's hysterical. And a few more things I'll hit you on the back end. But here we are, dog days of summer. And I went to her house. She is a good friend of mine. She really is. She's a good friend. Her name is Roxanne Wilder, a lovely girl. She's beautiful inside and out. And I've always just had a good relationship with her. And she's done a lot of different things. Like, you know, she's been on radio. She has, She's on a radio show right now, a morning show. The Q105 Morning Zoo, the MJ show. Uh, she's done television. She's done sports, reporting, hosting. She did a show with uh, on uh, an affiliate, CBS affiliate, a show like a midday morning show uh, where they bring on all kinds of people and they'll bring on maybe a bartender that's going to give you these drinks. They'll bring on a food, uh, someone from a restaurant. They'll do something that's having some type of event. They've been out in the field. She's done an awful lot. She's an author. She's written a book. Uh, she's been out to Hollywood and, and, you know, interviewed people and in the movie industry and very interesting. Her husband, Doug, good guy down to earth, salt of the earth is really, he's best friends with Derek Jeter. So we even hit on that a little bit. Derek is very private. So we don't, I didn't want to pry. Never did. Never did in all my years. Derek keeps to himself. And I guess that's why he's been able to be not only at the top of his game, but you never see him in any of the tabloids he keeps to himself. But so anyway, we even hit on that. So without further ado, let me introduce the lovely and talented Roxanne Wilder. All right. It is Roxanne Wilder who is in Tampa Bay, TV, radio, digital 
just a star. Everyone loves Roxanne. A mother of two, devoted, uh, great wife, daughter, sister. Am I leaving anything out, Roxanne? Rock, you are too kind. And let me just say, you've been like this to me since the minute I met you. Since <laughs> I got into the business, you've always been this encouraging and like my biggest supporter. So thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. I was thinking about it today. I was driving to the Bucks and I was like, okay, should I mention this on the podcast? I'd always said that as a guy, you cannot be friends with a good looking girl, like just to be friends. Well, this is the one exception I would have to say, you know, there's an exception to everything, right? Thank you. Thank you. So you now, now, right now, now you're on a very popular morning show on Q105, the MJ morning show. MJ morning show. Yeah. And uh, you have been, I remember, let's just start. Let's just start. I remember when you were an intern at Fox 13 in Tampa Bay and it was in, it was in, I saw you out at one buck and oh, who's this called that girl? She's an intern. And it started there. How, because you, you weren't, did you play sports uh, uh, as a girl growing up or no? I did some powder puff football. That was as sporty as I got. And then also I did a little bit of cheerleading and dance, but that's not a sport. So I just loved going to the games, like going to the Bucks games. That was my favorite, favorite thing to do with my family. And so that's what propelled me into wanting to cover sports because I was like, okay, I want to be one step closer to telling the stories and the segue between the players and the coaches and the fans. And I wanted to be in that mix. So when you were interning, and getting to go out into the field, was that when you were like, okay, I really like this? Or was it before that? Or I started to, I always wanted to do it. I always wanted to do it. So I got into a different career path. I remember my mom pulled out a calendar that we did in school one year and it said, I'm going to be a news anchor woman. So I was a little bit broader in my goals then, but that's what I always wanted to do when I was a kid. And then my dad had a lot of success in accounting and he was like, this is a great career path. This is a marketable degree. So I got my accounting degree. I worked for one of the big, now it's the big four accounting firms, but back then it was the big five. And so I worked for Arthur Anderson and I did that for a couple of years. And I just, I actually audited TV stations and radio stations. Oh, I didn't even know this. Oh, you didn't? No, oh, I, I said, I'm, I'm saying this story and I've, I've said it a lot and I'm thinking, I hope I'm not boring no, rock because- no. This I didn't Have know. I told you this? Okay, well, good. And so <laughs> I went and I would audit these stations in, you know, Bismarck, North Dakota. Is it North, North yeah, Dakota? Yeah. Yes. And I would go to, you know, we'd be doing, asking the, as auditors, we'd be asking the CFOs questions. We'd be interviewing them about their business processes and making sure they didn't have fraud in their company. And I'd be sneaking away to go and find the studio so that I could talk to the people, you know, the news director or the, or the station manager. Like I, that's kind of what piqued my interest. Like I always wanted to do it. And then lo and behold, I got on an audit engagement that took me to STC broadcasting. They own, you know, mostly stations in the 50 to 150 demographic market areas, radio and TV and 50 in the 50 DMA. So, um, that's how I kind of got into the, that's how I got into, kept my interest in it. And I was like, you know what? This is meant to be. I really want to do this. I see. So can you remember like in the beginning, you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, nobody knows what you're really doing and raw. Do you ever, can you go back? Can you kind of remember like, did you just, how, how did you approach it? Like when you went out into the field, you went out into the locker room. Can you remember that back in the beginning? Kind of? Yes. And I remember I put a lot more effort into it back then. <laughs> <laughs> Such a studious girl. Because, because now, I mean, I don't go out and do interviews as much, right. but I still do interviews for one of the radio station shows. And, right. And it's a, a show that requires, you know, some sort of research. I should be doing research. And yet I just feel like I've been having conversations with people for so long. You know how to wing it. But back then I do remember, especially being a female in the sports business, sports industry back then, I was so nervous. So I was always trying to, I would talk to anybody I knew who had that extra knowledge. Like, you know, sometimes I look back and look at some of the questions I asked. I was like, Roxanne, why did you even bother with that kind of stuff? Because it sounds disingenuous because it's like, you don't know, you don't know different zone coverages as a woman. You don't need to know all of that. But I was really trying hard. I see. That's what I I remember. (laughs) I see. No, and I get that a lot. I still, to this day, 
any females that are in sports broadcasting say that they feel like they even have to do more, study more. Mm-hmm. They're more under the microscope. Oh, you're a girl. You never play. You know, you know what I mean? I, I think to stay still. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's good when, when women do that. That's good when men do that. Men maybe haven't played a particular sport and then you go overboard trying to figure out how it all works. So I, I think it works out for you. But I do remember you asked me, what did it feel like? What do I remember? Yeah. And I just remember being very intimidated and very nervous about what I was going to ask and how was it going to be received. And now it's now things are no different. You, you do this long enough, as you well know, and you know you're just talking to regular people it's who true, isn't it? do the same types of things you do, who have the same concerns you do. They're worried about their, they're worried about money. They're worried about their family. They're worried about their health. We're all doing the same stuff. But back then, it, it was intimidating. Right, right. Now, talk about intimidating. I still say, even to this day, Warren Sapp for the Bucks still... Well, he just intimidates me. I did an interview with Brad Culpepper, who played on the line with him. And Brad Culpepper, on the early podcast, he's been on the reality show, Survivor. He's a lawyer in town. And he laughed. He's like, you're kidding me. And he goes, I guess I could see that. You had to cover Warren Sapp. And I remember he was very smart and he did some homework and he knew that you dealt with numbers. Do you remember well, that th- kind this of story is... a little bit or what happened? Oh, yes. I, I remember that story very well. And I've told it again numerous times. So if uh, hopefully you don't get no, bored no, hearing it the 10th time. It. No, yeah. <laughs> but it is a good one. It is. it is a good one. So when I was in the Bucks locker room and it was a media day, it was a Wednesday. And I was in there with Scott Epstein from Epstein from Catch 47. And we're in there. He's and it a, was, He's a photographer, photographer, videographer. Okay. Right. And it was one of my first, one of my first times going in there to do an interview with an act where I wasn't the intern. I was the actual real reporter. Got it. And so I go in there and I was ready to ask questions. Well, I didn't know some of the etiquette of the locker room and I didn't realize like I'm a, you know, tinier woman compared to these men and compared to some of the men covering the team. So I was able, you know how it is when people who haven't covered sports don't realize that you're in there in this very packed, awkward way. I can't imagine. I haven't been in that situation post COVID, so I don't know what it's like anymore, but years ago, you're scrunched in there and you're basically trying to hold your balance, do a yoga pose to, you know, get, hold your mic out. Your hand is shaking after a while from holding the microphone. And these microphones back then, they were probably even clunkier, you know, we're going way back. And so I'm standing there and I realize, oh wait, I can get even closer. We were interviewing Simeon Rice. I can get even closer if I scoot in right next to him, right on the bench next to the lockers, right? And then I was out of a camera, out of a photographer's way. I was trying to do it to be courteous so more people get get shot. So I'm holding my mic up. And Warren Sapp came up to me after that interview. And Simeon was nice. He was approachable, easy to talk to. And Warren came up to me, can't you stand up to do your job? And I was like, what are you talking about? And said it to me. My thing is like, you're screaming at me in front of all these people. And so that day, it's funny, I just saw Jeff Camus today. That day, I wrote a letter to Warren Sapp. Jeff Camus was, had a PR then at that time for the Bucks. And I talked to Jeff as I was leaving. And I was like, Jeff, and actually, maybe it wasn't Jeff. Maybe it was Zach. Remember Zach? Zach, Zach was like, Roxanne, just relax. We'll, we'll talk to you about it later, you know, and very nice. But I'm the kind of person, well, I was young then. So I was like, how dare he, you know, now you don't care about things. You're like, all right, that's his problem. He's having a bad day. But back then you take things personally. And so I went home and I wrote a poison pen letter. Like I would write to like an ex-boyfriend or something. I mean, it was just so vicious and, but, but like passive aggressive vicious. And I'm going through the whole thing going, you know what? I'm working very hard. Oh, this is what it was. I was like, if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. But they're 50 other people in that locker room I can talk to. I'm very passionate about wanting to do this job. I'm trying to break in. And if you can't respect that, if you can't respect a woman in here, I mean, I just went, it was a long letter. Again, a little bit psycho looking back, but whatever. And so I sent him the letter. I sent, I FedExed it to him. Oh, I overnighted it to him. This I didn't know. I mean, this is like no, super, okay. I wouldn't overnight anybody anything now. Like you get, you get a snail great. mail. This is great. This is great. This is great. <laughs> so I, over, I overnighted it to him. I overnighted it to the PR department because I didn't want them to think I was trying to 
attack him right. without them knowing. Right. Good. And so then Jeff called me the next day, Roxanne, you really didn't need to do that. We could have just had a conversation with you. That's just how he is or whatever. And he's not very happy about it. And they even told me he's really unhappy with the part where you asked him where you said if he ever needs a, a home mortgage, that you're a mortgage broker because I was a mortgage broker in addition to being a reporter. And I didn't mean that in a snarky way. I swear I didn't. I was just like, oh, hey, I meant it more in a way of like, I'm, I'm working two jobs here, buddy. Right. And he took it because his filter is negative. He took it as you're trying to attack me and you think I'm going to need a home refinance. Right. So because the next week we fly to Atlanta to cover the team. And this was the week that they played Atlanta when he did the Beyonce dance in the end zone. You yes, remember that? I do. Yes. Yes. It's very funny. So one of the photographers who was with us, I said, watch this. We went into the locker room afterwards. The Bucks went. I said, watch this. I said, Warren Sapp's going to come after me. And he said, no, he's not. No, he's not. I go, just watch. I guarantee you. We got through all the interviews. I never interviewed him, but somebody else did from our station. But I'm walking down the hall and all of a sudden you hear boom, 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 boom. He's running down the hall after me. And he's like, hey, hey. And the guy who's with me, he's shocked. He's like, oh my God, here comes Warren Sapp. What's happening? Am I going to have to protect this woman? No, I don't think I'm going to. She's not worth it. And I, and I turn around and I go, oh, yeah. And he's like, I hope you go broke at your mortgage company. No, no. And from that moment on, anytime I would see him, he would go 2%, 3%. He would like shop. Like for the rates yeah. and stuff as a mortgage. Yeah. That, is un- that is so funny. So I think oh my maybe God. 10 years later, I saw yeah. him on Radio Row after he's retired. I've done interviews with him since. I've seen him at, you know, events since, and it's no ill will. And I don't wish him any ill will. Now, that, that, is, that, that is some of that I didn't know. I just remember the 2%, 3%, 4%, like anytime he would see you, and I always laughed at that. Because you probably heard that. I you're probably like, did. Because you're like, what is I this know, guy talking about? I remember about? you telling me that. I was actually driving, like laughing, like, oh my God, that guy's too much. Now, in your years, how did, did you know, for the most part, were athletes pretty good to you you trying to do your job did you really have many instances where there were any problems at all Roxanne can you think or no for the most part uh, I would say for the most part I had great reaction with and interaction with I should say with them so my uh, point is is are there bad people in every profession absolutely oh, I've had NFL players tell me not everybody's a choir boy man no especially in the NFL right but then but then everybody below that list is fine great and if they if they didn't warm up to me in an interview that's not that's on me you know that that's nothing bad about them so by and large I think you know life I think you follow this policy you get what you give and right. I never really had too many problems aside from you know Oh my I God. Mean, All right. Well, you know, and we'll, I'll put, you know, a picture of you and us so the, the, the people can see you. You're very, you know, okay. You're very attractive. And at the time you were a single girl. So I'm assuming being beautiful, being around young athletes, you're going to get hit on you even, you were single. So you were able to date at the time, maybe not somebody that you specifically covered. Um, what was that like? You know, okay. I'm sure you got hit on a lot and here you are trying to do your job. Now. I got a great story for you that I've never told anybody. Oh, great. Okay. And I don't want to insult this person because they've long since retired. So I, I'm telling this story with complete reverence for them. I like them. This is not to har- harassment. I mean, I don't know. I got to be careful how I say this because people are going to look at me like, Roxanne, you should be you know, fighting for women's rights and, and me too and all that. But this is a different, this is a different era. This is when, okay, so we're going to go back to 2008 when the Rays were in the world series. Okay. And there was a player who I had a a great relationship with. I did some, he did some funny stories with me. Okay. I'll just tell you who it is. Carl Crawford. Okay. You know, I'm talking about obviously great guy. Yes. Fantastic guy. Yes. Never had a problem with him, never hit on me, never rude, always respectful. So after the Rays made it into the playoffs, he came into the clubhouse and he was there all like 
hollering and screaming and excited. Right, right. And so they go in and then he comes out and he's getting ready to leave and he walks by me. And the only one that was there was my photographer and Jamie Shields. And he walks by and smacks me on the butt. And I was like, completely startled. Like, what just happened? What do I do? That was inappropriate. But at the same time, I understood that the guys slap each other on the butt, right? So I went home and I thought about it. I was like, okay, that that wasn't right. How am I going to handle this? Right. So the next day, I just like looked at Jamie Shields like, uh, uh, what just happened or Do you whatever. you think he saw it? He, he's, oh, no, he saw it for sure. He's one of my favorites too. I loved I really, him. He was here, great. Ba- bad, horrible temper. Horrible temper. If he didn't have a good game, he'd go downstairs and throw bats around. I love that. Okay, so anyways, the next night I came into Carl. I was like, Carl, you cannot do that. He's like, Roxanne, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. I was just excited. We just clinched a spot in the world or you know or actually it was in the playoffs he's right, like right. I I'm sorry I shouldn't have done that and he was so apologetic I'm like but you have to understand you can't do that like look at the kind of message that that sends someone standing nearby i.e. Jamie Shields i.e. my my photographer and he was he was so apologetic but anyways I tell this story I'm almost he- I'm nervous to tell this story because you know what rock if I tell this story today different times yes. and I don't go and say I'm going to fight for my rights that I shouldn't be treated like that, then guess what happens? If I don't do that, then I'm part of the problem now. But you know Different what? times. Yeah, but you, I look at it like I give you credit. You went back. It bothered you. You went face to face to him. Right. And said, you can't do that. And then he is like, you know what? Probably I got caught up. Shouldn't have done it. Blah, blah, blah. Goes crazy. I'm sorry. And he apologized. No, I, I think I give you credit. You actually went right to him. So how did you feel about that? Did you ever have any problem after that? Never. It was, okay. it just became, you know, it just became funny. It's just like, <laughs> I can't believe that happened. Well, I, I just, they but, do you know, go crazy. They, and all they went crazy. I'm not making an excuse. Now, now today they're not going to do that. Oh. They're not going to do that oh, because, no. oh, and, and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. But my, but my point is when it did happen in a different time, it's, it, we live in weird times where mm-hmm. sometimes people get held responsible for things that happened in a time that was completely different from current time. That is true. That is a good point. No, that is a good point. What, uh, you got a favorite moment when you were covering sports? Maybe something that you just think of right now, like, okay. wow, Okay, man. we're sitting, let's sit the stage, Rock. We're having a glass of wine. Beautiful, because beautiful. Because my kids are, it's it's mama time. I got a nanny here. Let's cheers. So let's cheers. Boom. Here we go. Nice. And we're sitting in our den, right? It's and beautiful. you can look right behind you. Look at that. I don't have much sports memorabilia from my days. Oh, I love that covering picture. Covering sports, but I, that's one picture that I saved. Do you remember Jeff Fox? Yes. He, he took a lot of pictures. for the Pewter Report. Whatever it was yes. called then. Was it called Pewter Report? Right. The, Roxanne is interviewing. She, you look great there and you're on the field and you're interviewing John Lynch who just got into the Hall of Fame. That, that looks like, is that at Ray J? It yep. looks like? Yep. That is a great so picture. That was my first time doing interviews post game on the field at a game. So I, I would say that was it was the season after the Bucks won the Super Bowl. So I always get confused. Is that two thousand three? Uh, same into, thing. It all blends, it all blends in. together. I know, I know. Okay, so two thousand four ish and two thousand three ish. Actually, that's when it was two thousand three. And so I was interviewing John Lynch then. And the reason I say that that's one of the best memories covering sports is because. It was so new and fresh to me doing that. And I always say in in this business in particular, I don't know if you feel this way, but you can be doing great fun things. And if you really think back, oh my gosh, I remember when I started and I was always trying to get to this level or that level. And you just look back and you live in the, and you say, I should have just been living in the moment and enjoying the people I was working with because I can look back at cer- certain segments. You and I working together. Right. Those are some of my favorite, favorite days of covering sports. I agree. And, uh, you know, doing doing um, post-game, sh- or not post-game, but post-practice shows at Bucks camps. So much fun. And that's another moment right there. You can see Scott, the photographer in the background. Yeah. And you just yeah, see him yeah. back there. And that's when it was like, oh, oh my gosh, I had... I had so much awe and that's why sometimes people ask me, Oh, do you miss covering sports? And 
The answer is no, because I don't have any more awe. I have awe for my children. I have, you know, I have wonder for. Yes, it changes everything. Priorities in life, doesn't it? Right. Not to say. No. Now, I love sports. Right. Because when I'm my my daughter, she will tell you um, she loves Tom Brady. I haven't been to a Bucks game with her since she's been born, but she's picked up enough on TV That's and eventually cute. I'm going to take her to a game That's and she's nice. going to love it and my awe will return. It won't mean that I'll want to go cover sports again right, to right, fulfill right, that. Right, It'll right. be because I'll want to take her to a game. For her. And you'll right. be even, even happier seeing her joy. Right. Right. For right. Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh my, that, that, is, that is awesome. That is awesome. Now you, I told this on one of the podcasts. I, I, it was one of my favorite times when we were on these movie junkets where we're treated, you're treated like a king, a queen. If there's a sports movie that comes out in Hollywood and they have certain uh, anchors from different markets, we're both from Tampa. Sometimes you might be from Miami. I was was sending some from Arizona, wherever. But we would go into either like Beverly Hills or to New York. You see the screening and then the next day you have five minutes with the stars. And I'm talking about big names. You've interviewed Sly Stallone. You've interviewed Brad Pitt. I mean, the list goes on and on. What did you take from that? Again, you only get five minutes, but still you're sitting with, I'm talking about A-list movie stars. Anything at all stands out to you? Something the same maybe? What do you think, Roxanne? One thing that I was told when we did those by Jeff, because you're, you're bragging on me, but you did them as well. So you're right there. Uh, you're right there. I love it. So I got to hear your answer to this, right? <laughs> Let's go. Okay. Uh, so, but one thing I took away is the bigger the star, the nicer they are. And maybe a, even a different level of professionalism. So you have your A-list stars like Brad Pitt or like Matt Damon or Hugh Jackman. Oh, he impressed me so much. I didn't get a chance to interview him. Yeah. What about him? Yeah. What, oh, what fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And, and so let me give you some context to that. Yeah. When we're doing these interviews and you go into the hotel room he was the kind of guy that he's not sitting there getting makeup done and waiting for you to get through, weave through his handlers. He was basically the only guy in there and he comes and greets you at the door. Hey, come on, sit down. Just very hospitable. Really? You and I know that they're trying to pitch a movie. Right. And so they're trying, they should, it works to their favor to be charismatic. But there were some that you think, yes, I know they're actors, but you think, you know what? That was a genuine interaction. The genuine interactions happen really before the cameras start rolling. So somebody who greets you at the door and says, come on in, have a seat. Like you're like you're entering there. You're visiting them at their house or something. That feels a little different than the ones who are just kind of waiting for you to sit down and. Right. That's awesome though. That is awesome. So the couple of ones who maybe, maybe you and I had the same reaction where we didn't get the best vibe from an interview subject, Jonah Hill comes to mind, right? I was going to think right? that. And he was okay with me, but I had heard that you, reporters would come back and they'd be like, ah, oh, ah. Oh. And I remember after I did the interview with him five minutes and it, it was out, I think we were out at a stadium or something. I think Right, we were one. at the Oakland A Stadium. Okay. And I was over here and he was still like looking around, looking around like he's very, in, maybe, I don't know, at the time. He was a little insecure or something like that. Right, maybe. right. And, and so that's the point. The bigger that the bigger they are, when they're at that top tier, they're very comfortable and very. I've always found that warm and or and or professional versus those men or women who are like, you know what? I know I'm as good of an actor as Brad Pitt. Why does he get all the accolades? I'm I'm as good. And guess what? They probably are as good as him. They. From a thespian standpoint, they probably are, but they haven't had that career path that he has. So that's what you notice in Hollywood is nice people at the top. Nice people. I've always said that, Roxanne, even for the, um, like in the sports world or like the ones that are at the top and have been at the top are never jerks. You can make it with talent and maybe you are a jerk, but to stay at the top, you're usually a good person. That's what I've always found. You found that too? I I agree with that. It's funny because a lot of times it's like we hear that in life, the sociopaths and the narcissists are rewarded. You know, they become the CEOs. No offense to the CEOs. But that's what you you kind of hear those stories. But I I think in entertainment, I've seen a lot of that where, hey, maybe they are decent people where they've they've figured it out. Like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to get further if I if I treat the people around me well. 
I remember there's one guy, and I think he tried to get Brad Pitt's either a picture or mm-hmm. autograph. In the beginning, remember, you couldn't get a picture. And then at the end, everybody would like, everybody's got to get a picture. Like, that's how it is now. Right. If you see any athletes, like, they automatically they have to get a picture. There was there was this... Uh, it's like it didn't happen if you don't have the picture. <laughs> they, I, there was a meet and greet. And it was down here in Tampa Bay. And I, his name is Paul, Paul Tuttle Sr. Guys will know uh, Orange County Choppers. They had a very successful show on Discover, uh, Discovery Channel for years, years. And he's got this OCC Roadhouse down here. And he did a meet and greet. And I figured, let me go show up. Maybe I can get him on the podcast. And I see a long line. And this is just like three weeks ago. And I see how it goes. The general manager of this big, huge club and bar and restaurant, you get in line for the meet and greet, you give your camera, your phone to whoever's there. They take the picture. They give you your phone back so that they, you can post it on your Instagram. Right. Every single one. That's how it is now. Roxanne. I know. I'm <laughs> actually kind of glad that the it wasn't like that for a period of our careers. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Can you imagine that? So they got to do that. It used to be like pressure. you can't bother yeah. them for a picture. Yeah. yeah. But, I, I did get when you bring up Brad, Brad Pitt, I never, you know, it's not like I had a poster of Brad Pitt anywhere in my room. Or, right, you know, right, right, it right. Like, okay, Google Gaga over him for lack of a better word. But <laughs> when I saw him for the first time, oh my God, <laughs> he came walking down. We were at, at, at the Oakland A Stadium. So he comes walking towards the little setup that they had up in the stands. And he had a hat on and it kind of reminded me of his character in The Mexican. Was he in that movie? Yes, I think was he that was. Familiar? I think he was. Okay. And I just remember going, oh my God, am I, am I allowed to cuss on this? Were you drooling? This yeah, yeah, you better believe I was it. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Here comes Brad Pitt. What's happening right now? <laughs> he pops. He's just naturally good looking. He was really low key from what I remember, like yeah. real mellow. Like he just seems like the kind of guy who smokes a lot of pot. I mean, I'm not saying I've heard that about him, but that was his. He's a very mellow. Yeah, very, very mellow. mellow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Sly Stallone? Did you, you interviewed him more than once, didn't Two you? Two times. Two times. Yes. Okay. What did you think? Now I had a good experience because I came in and I said, uh, "You know what? Well, you know how they say don't start talking to him. It used to be sometimes don't start talking to him. You sit down." But I was walking by and I said, uh, "Sly, I got to tell you for the movie, I, I almost like." broke up like almost cried like three or four times it was for creed and he's like hmm that's interesting you know that's what i try for you know <laughs> everybody talks about the scenes that's tell me more and and it was already like going i was uh-huh. like oh and then i said hey winky right from tampa bay this tarver and he knew the guys so i had a really good experience but you interviewed him twice what was Sly alone like uh, so the one time i interviewed him i have to put a little asterisk next to it because it was a press conference style so that oh, was different okay gotcha. but that was for rocky whatever number it was one of the you know, team, Rocky and the teens, sure. whatever. And so he was getting a lot of crap about not about when's this guy going to hang it up. I see. And so, I mean, it even makes you wonder when he walks up there, he had all of us seated because he doesn't want people to see his height is what the rumor is. Right. He doesn't want to see how much taller you are than him. <laughs> so like sitting down when I went no, in. No, yeah. he was already seated. <laughs> and so then he comes in and he, was almost a little bit defensive in that one. But I grew to have respect for him because whatever age he was that he was doing it, I was like, this is cool. This guy is still, he's, and that was his message. I don't care that people think I'm too old to do this. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still drawing an audience. So I'm still going to do it. So don't put a limit on. And I feel that very strongly as a woman. Don't, you know, we're forced to put a limit on our, our ages. I mean, our, our age limits us in what we can do for sure. So I really like that message of his. And then Creed, when we did that one together, the most memorable thing from that interview is I sat down with him and Robert De Niro and I fell out of my chair. No, my chair broke. I sat down in my chair. No. It was one of those director's chairs and yeah, yeah. I fell through no. it. It's like I was some big fat ass and I just no. fell through it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. What happened? What happened? You Did you pop right I, back I, up? Did I was they like, laugh? Were they, they okay? They laughed. Robert De Niro, he kind of gave like a snicker, you know, <laughs> I think Stallone tried to help me a little bit. There you go. But it was, it was you know, you just have those. I've I've also hit my head on a boom mic when I went in to shake George Clooney's hand I bounced off the boom mic and I was like 
He he was again George Clooney. Oh my God, nicest person I ever met. Is he as good looking in person as he is on the screen? Because I just saw a movie with him, him and Brad Pitt. It was just oh, yeah. I was getting my car serviced and it was on. I'm like, those are two unbelievably handsome men, man. Right, right. Okay, so George Clooney is another one who I was like, yeah, he wasn't on my radar. It's not like I, I okay. dreamed fantasize about that guy. Okay, right. and Doug is the only person I fantasize about. By the way, I'm going through all these guys. <laughs> so George, so Doug is your husband. <laughs> so George Clooney was so nice to me and so I mean I'm sure as he is to everyone and and what I always say about him is that his politics are probably quite different than mine but if George Clooney asked me to go march with him somewhere <laughs> I'd be right there that's awesome that's <laughs> I'd awesome for him I'd be like sure George sounds like a great idea I'll get behind you. That's great. He is good looking, huh? In person, same, yeah. Same. It was, but it was more than that. It was the charisma. It was the star ah, power, right? Right. So it's. I mean, I see. You I see, see that with some of them. If you're, yeah, like, yeah. Like Brad Pitt obviously had that right. Christian Bale. Did you do Christian Bale, Mark Wahlberg? Yes, you did that one, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Christian Bale was an unbelievable actor. Unbelievable. And he didn't. Yeah. I remember Jeff, the gentleman that ran it, it's like, don't kiss his ass. He gets his ass kissed all the right. time. And I started saying, oh, you did a great job. I can see him starting to look. I'm like, no, don't kiss yeah. his ass. You know yeah. what I mean? Marky Mark. He was I okay. Loved him. He I was loved okay. Him. Yeah. I, yeah. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. He was actually Doug and I were on vacation, a couple. Uh, I guess Memorial Day-ish uh-huh. and we were at the Breakers in Palm Beach and Mark Wahlberg was there and I was so pissed because I'm in the pool playing with my kids <laughs> and then and then later Doug tells me he's like did you see Mark Wahlberg he was down there he was right right next to our setup or whatever and I'm like don't you what? Didn't say anything to me what <laughs> what are you trying to be too cool crap. I would not have been too cool <laughs> that is neat that yeah. is so I didn't even neat. recognize him so he just looks like a regular dad I guess wow. you know maybe he was just off a movie role where he had to gain a whole bunch of weight I think so he's like I maybe he had a dad see. bod he does because he always stays in good shape mm-hmm. now you mentioned uh, Doug and Doug is really been lo- a long time friend with Derek Jeter and I, I was thinking about this with Derek is in that same class with like Tom Brady and I haven't got a chance to get into it. I'm going to be doing a second podcast, uh, Bucks kickoff and I'll do more on Brady there, but talking to those that work at the Bucks, like everybody wants Brady for something and because he's played so long, they'll call up the Bucks and like, Hey man, and they might be in. I don't know. They they have a, a venture, business venture, or they're in the median. I play with Tom. I know Tom, and it's like if if he stopped twenty years, he's played with everybody, and you got to like just re- his time is short. And Doug has been because they grew up in Kalamazoo, mm-hmm. and I can imagine when you're Jeter, there's so many, there's not many people you can trust. Um, and he he runs his tournament every year. What can you tell us about Derek? that the public might not know or maybe perceive a little bit different. Is he, is he, what do you think Roxanne? It was okay. So I'll tell you what I interviewed when I interviewed his dad years and years ago before I knew Doug and his dad is so cute. He kind of credits mine and Doug's relationship for this conversation I had with him because I was like, Dr. Jeter, Derek seems very down to earth and, pretty normal given his circumstances. And he said, well, that's because of his, his friends that he's kept his whole life. He's had the same friends his entire life. And he was like, I think that's really important. So he always makes a joke that he, he basically put in a good word for Doug with that, with that interview, (laughs) with that soundbite. And so I, I would say, okay, obviously you look at Derek's and his wife's Hannah, who's, who's the, best person. Like I would say this about Hannah. Some people might say, Oh wow. This per- girl who landed Derek cheater. Oh no, 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 no. Derek got lucky with her for sure. How she's she's amazing. She's just the sweetest, most amazing person. And what I would say for the amount of money and fame and notoriety and accomplishments, extraordinarily normal, extraordinarily down to earth and concerned with the same things that that everybody is in life. Isn't that something? Mm -hmm. Isn't that something? That's awesome. I know he's a good golfer 
and yeah. uh, right, yeah, and yeah. Doug and everything, and that's they've done that for years, right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they have. Is he liking it down there in uh, Miami? Oh, they love it because a lot of you know people when he first you know they would say, oh, why wouldn't he be with the Yankees? He's a legend. I started thinking, you know, he's already done that. He is a why you know you know you know what I mean? Did right. did he want to just do something oh, different? From the Yankees and keep it separate? Like that was his playing career? Or do you even know, Roxanne? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I think the biggest part of that is, for, I mean, again, going back to our days together, I remember interviewing him for Bay News 9 and he said, well, I was like, what do you want to do after baseball? And this is before I even, you know, I was going to say, this is before Doug, right. okay. And I said, what do you want to do after baseball? And he was like, I want to be a team owner. And he was just very like, Point blank, oh, done, really? I want to be a team owner. Really? And so he's always said that in interviews. That's what his plans were after. And and so, you know, being in the business, the opportunity to buy a team uh-huh. does not come up often. That's a good point. So when when it happened, it was, it was you know, uh, you have to jump on it. And that was a good, that was a perfect fit. So I think they love Miami and he's the kind of person that, you know, whatever challenges presented to him he's just gonna put all of his all of his efforts and passions and stuff into it just like he did when he played it was funny too when when tom brady they were looking they ended up taking his right. place and then Derek was gonna sell it right and then he did right and then uh brad culpepper's the next door neighbor i didn't know if you knew I love that brad. i love brad because you did one of you yeah. you've next door neighbor brad's awesome I so like he's, him. he's yeah so he got to see some of the he well his, the, the, the funny story was he said, I'm not going to act all this. You know what I mean? And he goes, I would be grilling down on my deck. Derek would come out and they had a boat, you know, the boat slip parked there and he'd be there and we'd just talk as neighbors and I wouldn't say too much. And De- and Brad's wife would be up looking down and she'd say, you're not being very friendly and open. Like, talk to him a little bit more. He's probably going back in there saying, I bet you he doesn't even, Brady, so I said, oh, I bet Giselle, you. Giselle said that about Tom and, and no, no, Brad's uh, interaction. No, they Brad's wife would say, you're acting, you're at the grill and Dar- Tom is coming down to talk to you and you're barely, he goes, I don't want to be like a star blanker. That's hilarious. You know I mean? yeah, yeah. Talk to him a little more. He's probably going in saying, I bet you he doesn't even know I'm Tom Brady. <laughs> and he was saying too, he goes, you should sit. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, but he did say that there was when Brad played it cool. When Tom first moved in, there was more boat and jet skis. Right. They were going, and they were had megaphones and trying to get a hold of them. And then I guess Tom put up a private like there's a fence there, but it was just wrought iron. I think there wasn't even any, and he had to put that up. And then there was more traffic coming in, people trying to get close to him. And then I guess Derek said, I gonna, I told you I was gonna, you know, that was the deal. That's fine. Right. And then he sold it. Right. And then Brad was telling me that Derek, I mean, um, Tom, they're renting another place in the same like area, but much smaller, couldn't fit his boat there. Right. And then he bought a bigger boat and he asked those that bought Derek's house, could I just keep my boat here? Uh, maybe he gave him some and they said, sure. So they kept the boat there. But I guess Tom is still living close by. But I mean, um, Derek is down right there. They're, they're down it. there they're in Miami. Great. They're yeah. down there like it down there. Yeah. So now today you are on the MJ Morning Show. There's a lot of fun going on. Uh, are you having fun? Uh, give yourself a plug. I mean, I bet, you know, you're with the guys. Yeah. You're with the guys. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, in the morning. Yeah. So it, it is. It came as a shock how that all played out like I didn't know that I was going to be part of the show until I was part of the show (laughs) but it was great it was like oh my gosh and it was it was nice how it worked out because Mason and I were doing the show in the morning and and Mason moved to the afternoon Mason Dixon in in Tampa Bay he's like a legend he's a a radio legend legend. yes And, and he's a dear dear friend and it's it was it was um worked out well so then MJ and the guys came in and I listened to them when I was in college driving to school at USF you know (laughs) Doug listened to them Doug was like oh my gosh he thought it was so cool so we've been together since October and I love all of them in in totally different kinds of ways like sure like MJ is I think he's so great at content selection and I think he's great at building things up and making them exciting. 
and Fester, he sits next to me. So I've gotten to be there. We have like, a, Fester loves you, by the way. Uh, he's he, character. Yeah. He's always yeah. a character. So we have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> he's a Gemini. So he has multiple personalities. I'm a Pisces like you. So we got dual things going on. Funny. And then Froggy is, I think he's super talented with his, all of his bits and characters. I love that kind of stuff. That's, it's funny because I didn't, again, my career, I've been very not ambitious at all. Like I never really, like one time, did I ever tell you this story about when I went for a job in Philadelphia? Did I tell you that story? No, I never heard this. Okay. So I went, I was unemployed and I was just writing a book, not just writing a book. That was fun. But I went for a job in Philadelphia and Beasley Reese worked in Philadelphia. Yes. A former NFL player and a nice guy. Right. I I liked him, but I didn't know him really close, but he seemed like a good guy. Sure. So I sent them my resume tape. I addressed it to him. I sent him an email. Okay. Didn't hear anything. That was literally during my whole unemployment. That was like one of the only places I applied. Like I didn't even, I was like, okay. So I didn't hear anything. I was like, I guess I suck. May as well give this crap up. And so then four years later, I started working at the CBS radio station, right? So I'm with CBS for X amount of years, Kirk and Dinger show. Yep. Then Beasley buys CBS. Then I'm with just Beasley. Mm -hmm. So I'm talking to my web developer one day. This is four years later. And he said, he set me up on the on the webmail account and he goes, make sure you, you check your junk mail for an email from Beasley because Beasley Media Group. So I go search Beasley in my junk mail uh-huh. and an email comes up from Beasley Reese and they wanted to interview me. You're kidding me, Roxanne. <laughs> no. So I could have been working in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my God. But you know, it worked out fine because Did here you I ever am. talk to him since no, then or no, no? No, no, but it's he, one of those things. Oh my God. I, I know he retired. He used to be back and forth. He had a place. Yeah, like he had a, but he was, he worked at a TV station. Yes. He was like the sports director Yes, I think it was the NBC affiliate. I yeah. think, I think it was three or one. So it's just anyway. funny how little tiny things like you don't check your, your junk mail and then what happens. So, and now what about any plan right now? I, I would assume being a mom of two beautiful little girls, that's your 100% passion. Pretty much. Oh, pretty much. It's so funny because I waited to have kids a little bit later in life and Doug was out of town last night. So he rough houses with them a little bit. They're two girls, but yeah, yeah, still yeah. they like to rough house. And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. I came home yesterday, no nap worked all day, you know, worked my shift at the radio station, come home. And all we did is rough house and outside. And, and I mean, I just felt like, Oh my God, I feel like I just did a triathlon. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Uh, <laughs> no, you're the best. You, you got such a great personality. I love, love working with you. Love you. And, uh, just, I can't thank you enough, man. Is there anything else you want to no. say to close this? Just, I love you rock. You're the best. Uh, and let's have some more wine. Let's do it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Roxanne. I think it's been time, right? I'm going to have another lovely female coming on uh, that's worked in this. It is currently in it, and she's really, really good. And I'm going to bring her on. Might be next week, might be the week after, because I just want to get a little different perspective than, than us guys that are in the media and covering these teams or, you know, being out and about, you know, man's world. What is it really like when you are a good looking girl? And, you know, they get hit on. They get hit on. (laughs) Where men do not get hit on. Number one, it just doesn't happen. Now, I do have a story that I've been saving. I've told this story over the years at parties and everyone gets a kick out of it. I worked with a, a guy that played in the NFL And he basically has male model looks like this guy is so stinking handsome. It's not funny. Now to show you the difference between men and women, do you notice when there is, let's say there's a group of five or six women and here comes a young, hot smoking girl to try to get into this group. Are they not catty? Do they do uh, most, 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 most. Come on, you got to give it up. You know, they're not going to put over someone younger, hotter, more beautiful. 
mostly right. Well, here's the difference with guys. When I was working at this TV station that I worked at for, what, 18 years, and this guy that I'm talking about was a backup quarterback in the NFL. He had retired early, and he would ju- he had just gotten into the business. He was going to try to do some anchoring, sports anchor work, and then he ended up trans- uh, segueing over into transitioning over into sales. And then he ended up getting a job in the pharmaceutical sales business. You know, he's, a, he's about 6'3", you know, he's built great, and just his, his face is, he's handsome as all get out. You know, just a natural, handsome guy. So, I don't know how I got there. I just thought I'd, I just kind of like, him. he was a good guy, man. And I told our boss at the station, you know, I know a guy that might be able to do like weekend sports anchoring for us and come on these shows. And he's, he's known, you know, he knows his football. And why don't you, we bring him in. Now, this guy that I'm talking about, I don't want to sell, tell his name because I got a really good story here. <laughs> I don't know if he wants his name. So, um, but I, I said, look, bring him in. And he's way more better looking than me and taller than me and, you know, more athletic than me and all that jazz. And bring him in. So we, they did. And he ended up working for several years. We worked together. He was the weekend guy. And then when we did shows out at camp and NFL stuff, and then he got into the high school stuff, being a color commentator. He was really good at that. He liked that. So anyway, blah, blah, blah. So now like what I'm, the reason why I'm bringing this up is like, come on, admit it, guys. We don't, we don't get like propositioned, you know, like women get hit on all the time. So he would work weekends. I would come back in on a Monday. And our producer, I ended up seeing him. He was at the station. Maybe it was a Friday, Thursday. I don't remember. So it was this guy, the handsome guy, myself, and our producer. And and he says to our producer, he goes, hey, uh, why did you give out my phone number, man, to the to a woman? You know, and he's like, oh, well, I usually always do that, Jeff, you know, and uh, or Bill or whatever his name is. And uh I always, you know, I do that. And he goes, yeah, you know, I started to, you know, don't do that anymore. And he goes, well, what happened? He goes, well, I got a call. Oh, and this producer produces, he produces weekdays, but he also has done producing on the weekends. And he goes, when Jeff, his first name is freaking Jeff. But when Jeff is on, they would get call. He would get calls from some women. I'm like, damn, I never get any calls. No, women never call me on, you know, try to call, get a hold of me. <laughs> so he goes, so it's, it's happened before. I didn't think anything of it. Why? What happened? Well, a woman calls up and says, Hey, can you give my number to this sports anchor that I'm watching on TV right now? I may have a job opportunity for him. Oh, okay, sure. Here's his number. Now, he should have just taken down the number of the woman, given it to the sports anchor, the handsome guy, and let's see if he wanted a call, but whatever. And he figured, hey, it's a job. It's Maybe it's a gig, side gig. So the sports anchor says to the producer, do you know what that lady did? She gets me on the phone and she said, I may have a movie role for you. Yeah, it's a short film. He's like, hmm, well, what's this short film about? Well, really, the concept, the main concept is you would go to the Hillsborough River and you drink the water from the Hillsborough River and it's going to make your 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 Johnson, your private park grow. <laughs> He's like, what? What? That's the concept of the short film? And now he was married. He's got the little, you know, he's got little kids who are now have grown. You know, he's a family man. He's really, he's like, nah, I'm not interested in this short film. It was a short, you know, a porno film. And I, I, I just, I just laugh at that story because I think it's a great story. So it does happen occasionally if you are really, really, really good looking as a man. Maybe you will get propositioned by women, but it just doesn't really happen to the everyday Joe Blow like me. Uh, 
All righty. What else did I want to hit on here today? Oh, 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 oh. You know what? You know what I noticed? There are people that just bitch about everything. Do you notice that? So, what was it? A week about a week ago, Major League Baseball did the Field of Dreams in Iowa, and you know what? I give them credit. Was a little? Was it a little bit corny? You know, for, you know, going back to the movie with Costner, maybe a little bit. But you know what? I, we always knock Major League Baseball that it's boring. And, you know, they, there's only older people that like it, you know, and the young kids don't give a damn. And, you know, the game is so stinking slow. And, you know, they don't promote the players and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? Major League Baseball tried something. I thought it was a, it was a great idea. And, you know, I saw so much stuff the next day. Now, I was watching. I'm immersed in the NFL. So I flipped and I watched a little bit about I was mostly watching the Cam Newton, uh, Mac Jones, New England Patriots. I'm very interested on how that's going to go down this year. I was watching. Really, I was watching that. And then I was doing some stuff on the Internet. And so then later when, or the next morning, was it? I think, yeah, next morning I saw the highlights. I saw the Kevin Costner walking out. I saw all the players walking out from the cornfield and I thought that was kind of cool. That's a pretty cool. That's a good idea. That's neat. It's a one shot deal. I saw people on Twitter like, Oh my God. Costner didn't know what he was doing. It was looking like he was lost and this man, he's an actor. He was acting, playing a role. That was all set up. It wasn't like Costner didn't look surprised. He didn't know what he was doing. He was taking so long. That was all set up. At that level, you think they don't block out shots? They call them block them out with camera angles. They're going to just wing this on a network, on a big thing like that with Major League Baseball? Oh, my God. Oh, man, it was so long. Oh, it's so stupid. Oh, you know, that's not the real field near the near the house. You know, Major League Baseball had to make a, a, a fake field right down. That's not the real field of dreams. The other thing is so small. And I was just like, you got to be kidding me, man. I, I just, so I can, I've come to the realization that like you just cannot please everybody. I don't look at comments like if I do something anymore, I actually got that from Roxanne one time told me that Derek Jeter never looked. He, he honestly really did not. Now, most players will tell you that they don't if they're in a market. And this has changed now. Now it's podcast. Now it's YouTube. Now it's, you know, uh, Spotify. And you, you've got everything at your fingertips at your own time. Now, there is still some successful sports radio talk stations. There's some talk stations that are still successful, but by and large, it's changed. So it used to be, you know, when you were playing in a specific market, television or radio market, and you had, let's go Philadelphia, for example, WIP. In New York, the fan, WFAN, still very strong. You... Athletes, especially, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, oh, I don't listen. I don't listen to the talk radio. Bull crap. If they're, you know, if they're talking about you or you, it's going to get back to you, you know, now it's just so different. And, uh, but Derek Jeter, this is what Roxanne told me. He never, ever, ever would read the newspapers like the Post page six, the daily news. He wouldn't listen to the fan. He just didn't do it. Why? Why does he want to put himself through that? Somebody's going to be criticizing him. Why? Why? And as I, as I get older, that's how I am. Like, Hey, at least Hulk Hogan once said, if they're not nipping at your heels, you're not, a you know, you, you're not important, man. You know? So, so anyway, but I just find it that like, there's some people that will bitch and moan about every single thing. I, maybe they're just not happy in their lives, you know? And one more thing, and I'm going to shut this one down here. So isn't it funny, like the news cycle, like when everybody is talking about one particular topic, how long does it last anymore? Is it ever more than 24 hours? Now, the biggest offseason story in the NFL was what? It was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, diva. Aaron Rodgers turns down 90-some million. 
Aaron Rodgers is with these young people. He's got a midlife crisis in like Hawaii. Aaron Rodgers is a baby. He doesn't want to, he doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, you know what? The Green Bay Packers did him wrong. You know, they didn't, you know, he saw what Brady did and he just wants to be, you know, involved a little bit. At least, at least, you know, bounce it off from who they're going to go. You know, this is his words. But he was the lead. I mean, I would go McAfee's uh, podcast. Uh, anytime, you t- any, anything. It was Aaron Rodgers, number one. What about now? Now that they're playing, now that they're practicing, now they're going to play. No, no, there's no drama. There ain't no drama in Green Bay at all. Isn't it funny? Because it was off season and we're thirsting for any info that we can get. And the NFL is king. And Aaron Rodgers every day. And now, now I see video of him throwing a football into a net like 65 yards away with perfect accuracy. Like that's the video that I see right now. And it's all short video. Everything is short. Our attention span is freaking shorter now than ever before. Oh, anyway, I don't mean to bitch and moan. I thank Roxanne Wilder for coming on. I'm feeling good. There's ups and downs behind the scenes and you just got to plod forward. Look at it this way. When you wake up, There's going to be something each day that ain't going to go your way. There's going to be, you know what? Move on to the next thing. Yeah, and listen to me. It's easier said than done. (laughs) Right? Right, right, right. All right. I thank you for another edition here of the Rock Stops here. And uh, I will talk to you next. Yeah, we'll do the same thing next week. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This week on Crush Performance, it is episode number three in our Science of Sweetness series as we're joined by Dr. Andouise Allen, the Chief of Biomedical Research at the Glycemic Research Institute. The food industry has evolved faster than our bodies and there's no question we're losing the battle when it comes to obesity, diabetes, and degenerative brain disease. This week, we'll look at the stats, we'll discuss why diets don't work, and we'll break down and explain why a calorie is not a calorie. We've been attacking this from the wrong angle. It's not us. It's the food, and we lay it all out on this week's episode of Crush Performance. Crush Performance with Jeff Cruschel can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.